Welcome, Bird Gang. On today's show, Danny Sarek joins me. We begin with Wednesday's practice, the first one in three weeks, at least on a Wednesday. Remember, the team held walkthroughs the previous two Wednesdays. Also, the Cardinals received their first Player of the Week honor and a discussion on something the head coach highlighted earlier in the week, the lack of big plays on offense. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 607, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Hit in the backfield and down he goes for a loss. J.J. Watt nailed him. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, at the 5, he's in again! Some more Murray Magic! Wow! Here's Craig Grealoux. So a public service announcement for anyone who may run into or may know Max Williams, and that would include you, Danny, because spotted during the open portion of or the media availability inside the locker room on Wednesday, Max Williams sporting a Penn State hat and Penn State sweatshirt, which was two sizes too small, by the way, and he made sure everyone knew about it. But Max Williams, the victim of a lost bet over the weekend as Minnesota loses to Trace McSorley's Penn State Nittany Lions and lost big 45-17. to just, just had to share that because Max was none too pleased. Max is pretty big. I wasn't able to be in the locker room. I'm curious to see what he looked like if it was two sizes too small. I bet that was pretty funny to see. The length seemed to be okay, but it rode up about halfway on his forearm, and he, he just he, he just kept messing with it. So, he, yeah, he was not happy. I tried to ask, like, is this for the week, for the day? And he didn't want to talk about it. I believe that was his direct quote, I don't want to talk about it. So he, he was upset, and, yeah, the fact that it was wearing it during the open portion to the media. No one amongst your teammates is fine, but once the media is in there, yeah, it's not good. There have been a couple of those bets between yes. players and whatnot this year, which is pretty fun. Texas, Texas Tech, Texas, Oklahoma. There's a lot of SEC and Big Ten in that locker well, room. Well, it's too bad for Colt McCoy that there wasn't a bet for that Texas OU game. Yes. Because I asked him if there was a bet with him and Kyler or any of those other Sooners on the team, and he was kind of disappointed. He said, no, i tried, but none of them would do it with me. And so I guess poor Colt McCoy didn't get to – because, you know, he had to wear that Texas Tech getup. So he did not get his little revenge there. No. And Cliff Kingsbury does not get involved in any of that as well. He made sure to mention that to the media when it was asked. He stays away from the player bets, good-natured and all that, so you can rib it. But you don't have to worry about any of that because no one bothers with Missouri, right? I mean, Missouri doesn't even really bother with Missouri, so no, I'm not. I, I don't plan on making any sort of bets anytime soon on behalf of that football team. By the way, I'm not one to talk considering Syracuse lost at Clemson over the weekend. I'm staying away from both Isaiah Simmons and DeAndre Hopkins for the rest of the week. All right, speaking of this week, 69 and sunny during Wednesday's practice. It felt good. You and I both wearing jackets, which probably shows just how light long... Light jackets. Okay, light jackets. But again, our, our, our blood has thinned out. At least mine definitely has. Yours is getting there. Because 69 and sunny in Arizona, you should not be wearing a light jacket or a sweatshirt. I will say, I went back out onto the practice field when practice ended about an hour and a half later from when we were out there during the open portion of practice. And it was much warmer. No jacket needed. Yeah, if were, you were curious. Okay. I wasn't, but I appreciate that 
here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai Proud, partner of the Arizona Cardinals. First Wednesday practice, as I mentioned to you, in three weeks. Because last week, short week, the week after the Eagles game, there was just a walkthrough. So it had been a while since we've seen a lot of players on the practice field. Cody Ford actually getting a practice for the first time, even though now he's played in a game. But good news, James Conner, Darrell Williams on the field. Each have missed the past two weeks. Day-to-day, according to Kingsbury, my guess is if they're practicing on Wednesday and we see that progression during the week, I would expect both to play, provided they keep practicing this week. The question is, and everyone's going to want to know, what do you do with Eno Benjamin, considering how well he played last week against the Saints? I wouldn't be surprised if Eno Benjamin's your number two and you see how Darrell Williams performs when he comes back. That's what I would think. That's what I think that they should do. I think Eno has played well up until this point. However, those last two weeks when he carried the load, I thought he just did a phenomenal job, and I think he deserves more playing time. It was interesting walking out on the field because normally when you and I walk out to practice on Wednesdays, that is a big rest day for a lot of veterans. And a lot of veterans who typically take those rest days were out on the field because you're coming off the mini-bye week, so that was your rest. However, the not-so-good news was because we saw that it wasn't a veteran rest day. The veterans that were not on the field – means it was injury-related. Rodney Hudson, the big one, not out there. And Ian Kingsbury post-practice mentioned that they hope to have Hudson back in a couple of weeks. So Billy Price is going to be your starting center, my guess is, without anything being told to me or confirmed. But Price did play well last week against the Saints, and I would expect him to be that center this week and maybe for a couple of weeks until Hudson is able to return. And Billy Price did play well that entire offensive line with Cody Ford in there with Max Garcia out, who was not seen during the open portion of practice. I do like how this offensive line has played, even with the shuffling that has been going on in the interior of that O-line. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the other name, though, that wasn't out there was left tackle DJ Humphreys. I'm not sure. He wasn't dealing with anything going into the game, was he? No, there was nothing that I saw. I know I think it was a couple of weeks ago, there was a hamstring issue, if I remember correctly. But uh, that's one to keep an eye on as far as Humphreys because, yeah, you protect that blind side of the quarterback. You want to make sure he's available. Now, Dennis Gardeck was not out there during the open portion. He did not play last week with that ankle injury. Didn't see Jalen Thompson or Christian Matthew. Thompson had a hamstring last week going into the Saints game, still played. You get the Thursday and Friday, and maybe Jalen Thompson might be that player at this point in his career, given how long he's been here and the knowledge within the defense, Danny, that if he doesn't practice all week, can he still perform on game day? And I think he might be one of those handful of players that you say, yes, you can. Or at least maybe just that veteran day off starting on Wednesday, something like that, like a rest day, maybe every week or every other week. You're right. Maybe that's and, and not only that, of just if you're starting to get a little banged up and you're kind of dealing with something small every week, that extra rest day can make a huge difference. Jalen Thompson has become, along with Buda Baker, I think must-haves on the defense for this Cardinals team here this season. Also seen on the practice field, which is good news, Matt Prater. And we haven't seen him on the practice field. He's missed three straight games now. And with the news that Rodrigo Blankenship has been signed to the active roster from the practice squad, it was interesting to see Prater on the field until Kingsbury mentioned, well, maybe Prater handles field goals and Blankenship just does kickoffs until Prater is 100% or as close as he can be. That would be something to pay attention to. Why have two kickers active on game day when you would expect 
one to handle both duties. It is interesting of if Prater can only handle part of the job, why would you have him active and do part of the job as opposed to having Blankenship be your kicker, not have Prater active, and then you have that spot for another position group? Because you're taking up a roster spot, right? a game day roster spot. Yes. And that you, at this point in the season, week eight, you might not have the luxury to be able to do that. And there's obviously difference differences in the nuances of kicking a field goal or a kickoff, but it's his right hip. So I'm just, and, and again, this is probably an answer they have that's come from their decision that I'm not privy to knowing. But why, if you're dealing with an injury, would you do field goals, but you're not ready for kickoffs right why would you not just like rest and heal make sure you're completely right healed as opposed to potentially re-injuring that or hip. prolonging the process which look this is a great you know training staff and medical staff that they have on hand here so I would imagine that all of these questions have been addressed um, believe it or not I do not have any sort of medical background so this is no? me just I know it's surprising Dr. Sarek no Dr. Danny no you don't want no. No? Okay. No. Too many math and science classes for me. Just never thought about it. All right. Well, their loss is our gain here with the Arizona Cardinals because we've got you now a part of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. One of the roster news or note, I should say, and this is this does concern me as far as, especially with Dalvin Cook now, the focus this week is Rashard Lawrence being placed on injured reserve with a shoulder injury. He just cannot stay healthy this season. His career earlier in the year was a hand injury. Now he'll miss at least a month because of a shoulder. Might require surgery, if not during the season, maybe potentially in the offseason, according to the head coach. But he was that middle-of-the-line, defensive-line stopper when it came to the run, and this defense is still yet to allow a 100-yard rusher. They've come close to allowing a 100-yard rusher, but no one has eclipsed that century mark against this defense. They've done a good job in stopping the run, and despite having a few games, really thinking about Seattle with Kenneth Walker, who came pretty close, I think he had 97, the defense has done a good job at stopping the run, and they did a good job when Lawrence was out earlier how many games did he miss with that with that first injury two games I thought they did a good job stopping the run in his absence this is just unfortunate when you have a player who you plan around I'm not saying he's a the type of player that you plan an entire defense around but around but when you're looking at certain aspects he's a big part of stopping the run and so if you lose him for possibly the rest of the season that's a big adjustment that Lucky Foto and Michael Dogby have to step up and then this week with Dalvin Cook, who is just about at five yards a carry. And yeah, the Vikings, not a wonderful rushing team, but still Dalvin Cook, you have to be aware of because you might hold him in the first quarter or second quarter by third or fourth quarter. He might have that 60, 65 yard run that turns the tide of a game. And without your run stuffer in the middle, someone has to step up. And a play like that can can impact the rest of the game. One big play like that can give the other team not only a scoring opportunity, but the momentum that they need or moving the chains and wearing down the defense. So it's important that you don't allow those big plays. A lot of the big plays on the defense have come in the air. However, you can't you can't allow Davin Cook to have that space and, and wear them down. And I know that big play 
or the big plays that this defense has allowed specifically against the Saints, and there were three passing plays of 40 or more yards. That's something that has stuck with you for a while because we've talked glowingly about this defense all season long, but it's certain moments in games where you're scratching your head or you're wondering why. Like, you've been playing so well, and then all of a sudden there's this big long third down converted or you're unable to get off the field and in a game turning score whether it's a field goal or a touchdown the defense has played well but there are spots if you want to call them nitpick that this team still needs to figure out a way to play a little bit cleaner the start of that Saints game for the Cardinals defense was a bit surprising to me with how well Arizona had played and how banged up New Orleans was coming into that game of your backup quarterback and Andy Dalton and Really, the only big receiver that they had was Chris Olave because they were dealing Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry had injuries, and that was just the injuries on offense. And the way that New Orleans came out hot and had had those big plays was a bit of a surprise. It did seem like the defense collected themselves and kind of figured out what they needed to change, and it really all started with Antonio Hamilton's pick in the end zone. Um, which, you know, they say turnovers come in bunches and that rang true for the Cardinals, the first of three. It was a bit surprising seeing those big plays, but I still think this defense can do a better job of being balanced. To a certain extent, you can you can only folk, you know, you, it's not surprising in, in the league that a team might be really good at stopping the pass. And so your run, your run defense has a little more holes to it. Um, but it has seemed like the games where the defense has stopped the run so well, they've allowed big plays in the air and vice versa. And so I think this is going to be a good test against Minnesota when you have Dalvin Cook in the backfield. Yes, you have Adam Thielen. You have Justin Jefferson, who's averaging 109 receiving yards per game. This is going to be a good test for the defense of can you be balanced? And to your point, the Cardinals rank sixth against the run, 25th against the pass. And looking at that Saints game and how it ended, those final two scoring drives by the Saints, and I think a lot of that was just this defense wanting that clock to keep moving. They couldn't get the Saints off the field, so it looks bad. And then you look at the total yardage at the end of the game, and you're like, wow, almost 500 yards of offense you allowed. But it always comes back down to, all right, when were those yards accumulated? And at that point, the game was decided and human nature comes into it and you're like, okay, we did our part. Let's just make sure that clock keeps winding down to triple zeros and we walk off the field with the victory. So I'm interested to hear what Vance Joseph has to say about how he thinks his defense played against the Saints. I know he'll look at the three takeaways. Is Look, if you can get three takeaways a game, you're going to win about 85-90% of the time. And I'd much rather have that in a defense the big play takeaway defense as opposed to the one that is you know, stopping the run and stopping the pass but is still giving up points. Take the football away from your opponents, and I guarantee you, you're not going to score. Yeah, and it's even better when you're able to put points on the board from those turnovers. I got a chance to talk with Isaiah Simmons on the sideline exchange interview this week, and he talked about the turnovers his team has forced. Arizona's forced a turnover in six of their seven games. Most of those games have had multiple turnovers. And I I was talking to Simmons about how they are doing that. And so he had a really good answer about how that is something they have really focused on this year. 
those CPR drills that Vance Joseph installs in his defense. Um, and that turnovers have been a main focus for them this year. And it's not going to be easy against a Minnesota team who has had good ball security this year. They're tied for third fewest giveaways in the league with just six. So they're going to have to find a way to make Kirk Cousins uncomfortable or punch the ball out when a receiver or runner has got the ball. But you're going to have to force turnovers against a team that has not given up many this year. Always comes down to turnovers. And these two teams are two of the better as far as protecting the football. Cardinals have only turned the ball over six times this season. So you look at what defense can get that first big takeaway that maybe changes momentum, even if it's early in the game. But the fact that this defense, talking about the Cardinals defense, had three of them against Andy Dalton. And yes, it's Andy Dalton, but still capable quarterback. He's getting the start again this week for the Saints. And now you've got Kirk Cousins, who hasn't turned the ball over a lot this season, but it wouldn't he has been prone to that big play as far as now all of a sudden you've got the football and and Cousins is sitting there on the sideline. Yeah, it's it's going to again, it's going to be a good test for this Cardinals defense going up against the Minnesota team that's 5 and 1. I think similarly you looked at you look at the teams that Minnesota has beat. And we've talked, you know, the league as a whole has not been as explosive offensively as they have in years past. Um, so you might look at the teams they've beat and think, oh, they're not really a 5-1 and one team, but think about when the Eagles came in and they were undefeated and people were saying the same thing about the teams they played and the game that they had against the Cardinals and have continued to go on and win. So I think you have to give Minnesota their respect of being 5-1 and one, and you have to go out and you just have to bring your best. Lions, Saints, Bears, and Dolphins, the four teams the Vikings have won or beaten each of the past four weeks, and they're all been one-score games. Average margin of five and a half points. So they're doing, talking about the Vikings, they're doing just enough to get in the win column. And in the day, that's all that matters. That's how the Cardinals were last year in some of their games too, though. Against Minnesota was one of them. Fortunate that a field goal and an extra point was missed in that Week 2 contest, and the Cardinals, yeah, able to start off 7-0. and And sometimes it's okay to be lucky in this or catch a break or two in this league and sometimes winning football is being able to win by just enough I think that's how the Cardinals have won some of their games this year you just got to win by just enough sometimes Raiders is a perfect example just being able to get a W to kind of make everyone feel good about themselves and I think the Cardinals were able to do that on Thursday by the way in your sideline exchange with Isaiah Simmons one of the three interceptions that the Cardinals defense was able to get out of Andy Dalton. But did you ask him which interception might have been the best interception? Because I think there's a little controversy now with the NFL naming Marco Wilson as the defensive player of the week. He had the second of the three INTs, but was it the best INT of the three? Maybe the prettiest. I did not ask that specific question. I asked more so, it was funny in the locker room that Hamilton, Wilson, and Simmons after that game had made comments that all of their teammates have pretty much joked with them that they don't have hands. Like They're surprised they caught the ball, and I, I talked to Isaiah about that, and he says he still has some haters on the team, but if he says if people are hating on you, then that means you're doing something right, so he's okay with that. See, I would rank the interceptions. Antonio Hamilton, number one. Green. No, he didn't score, but he took points off the board, an interception in the end zone. Otherwise, Otherwise, it's 14-3, to and we're all thinking, oh, here we go again, down two scores. Marco Wilson, 
Pass deflection. Great finish, though. And that might be the reason why he was honored, because now he's a meme that will last forever. And then Isaiah Simmons, who allowed the play come to him, great one-handed grab, and then no one was going to catch him 57 yards into the end zone for the his first career score. But Marco Wilson gets the honor because of his first career interception, first career touchdown, and two passes defense, which tied a career high. Isaiah Simmons on his pick reached, or this is according to Next Gen Stats, reached 20.68 miles per hour, the fastest speed by a linebacker as a ball carrier this season. This is also included in the tweet. Since 2020, Simmons has reached 20 or more miles per hour six times on plays from scrimmage, the most among all linebackers in that span. Wow. I showed this when I talked to Isaiah Wednesday after practice. I showed him this tweet, and his response was, you know, I think I can go faster than that. (laughs) These athletes are never satisfied with their own personal numbers. I was like, okay, so show us. (laughs) Well, by the way, congratulations to you because you were able to stop him or catch up to him for sideline exchange, which you can catch on azcardinals.com and the other platforms with the Arizona Cardinals. Isaiah Simmons certainly is an athletic specimen, but that play in particular, allowing it to develop in front of him, not chase the play, allow the play to come to him. That's what this coaching staff has been preaching and been waiting to see out of him because he can make that highlight play. And that was a highlight play, but he didn't have to go anywhere. He was in his own zone. He was in his own area waiting to see what would happen. He didn't seek anything out. And sometimes when you just play within the scheme, and I believe that was his quote to Paul Calvisi postgame on Thursday, good things happen, and they happen for him on Thursday. It's just about doing your job. And we've heard that not just from Simmons, but through many instances of offense and defense, it's just you have to focus on doing your job. Once you start, and this happens more so when you're playing from behind, and that sense of urgency becomes a little bit of desperation and you're trying to do too many jobs or overcompensate for something else, that's when those mistakes start to happen. Mentally, that's when you start to lose focus and that affects your execution. You just have to focus on doing your job and trust that your teammates out on the field are doing their job so you can work together as one. And maybe that's why this offense still has lacked the rhythm that we've seen in years past, or at least last season specifically, because not enough players are doing their job or there have been too many little mistakes that get magnified and all of a sudden this offense bogs down because to me yeah you can nitpick on the defense but through seven games the offense is still the story that remains a question mark that remains unanswered as far as why this team can't be more consistent on drives scoring touchdowns kicking field goals It just seems like it starts and sputters, starts and sputters. It has its moments, but we're waiting. And I don't know if it's this week, week eight, but not that we're running out of time, but it should not take this long for the Arizona Cardinals offense in year four for both the head coach and the quarterback to figure it out. And they haven't so far. And even though you haven't had DeAndre Hopkins for most of the season, you've only had him for one game. With the exception of Antoine Wesley, you've had the other receivers you had planned on having. Now, I know Hollywood Brown is now out for the next however many weeks for the foreseeable future with a foot injury, but you had expected, you knew you were going to have Hollywood and A.J. Green and Rondo Moore and Greg Dortch. So that's what's confusing to me, is while Tweezy would have given you the height, 
that you lost from D-Hop through those first six games, with all respect to Tweezy, it, he, he's not the kind of game-changing player that Hopkins is. So it's that, that's what's confusing to me, is that you, you knew you weren't going to have D-Hop, which is why you brought in Hollywood. So you had really most of your receiving core that you were expecting to have. So why wasn't that working? Now, I know that's in the past, and now they have D-Hop, and now they've brought in Robbie Anderson, who's going to have a bigger role, because last week, he come game day, he had only been a Cardinal for, what, 48, 72 <laughs> hours? A week with no real practice. So it'll be interesting to see how they utilize them, and how they continue to use Rondo Moore more vertically rather than horizontally to stretch the field. That, to me, is what this offense is really lacking, is that big play down the field, the vertical passing game, the fact that the Cardinals are the only team in the league without a passing play of 40 or more yards. They have three passing plays of 30 or more yards, but none longer than 32 yards. And it's interesting because we've seen Kyler have that arm and have that accuracy, and the accuracy has not been there on those deep balls. They've been short for the most part, and that's what's a little surprising. Is I do think the offensive struggles are a combination of everyone involved you know execution or maybe play calls or things of that nature but you have to you have to look and see that it does it from the eye from you know from the eye test it doesn't seem like Kyler Murray has been as accurate as he has at least in those big plays in the past he did overthrow Hollywood on one deep shot early in the season but you're right most of those deep shots whether it's down the middle or towards the sideline have come up just a little bit short where the receiver has to slow down or come back to the football and we're not connecting on enough of those deep shots. And it's why I think, for the most part, this offense has struggled to be in rhythm because there hasn't been those big plays. The Cardinals have had to gone 9, 10, 11 plays in order to get in the red zone for a touchdown or a field goal. The more plays you run, the more opportunities, the more chances you have a chance to make a mistake. And you can't have these scoring drives that get into double digits. They have to be quick four to eight play scoring drives as opposed to the longer, yeah, you want to milk the clock if you're ahead, but if you're behind, you need to get into the end zone ASAP. And it doesn't seem like the Cardinals have been doing that, right? I mean, you you have the numbers, don't you, on that? The average length of scoring drive for the Cardinals this season is almost 11 plays. A year ago, by comparison, was just under nine. So it's two-play difference, which doesn't, on the surface, doesn't sound like a lot, but it's two more plays in which a false start, turnover, incomplete pass, tackle for loss. It's just a minor thing when you look at what this team has done. 13 of their 24 scoring drives are 10 or more plays. 16 of the 24 are nine or more plays. That's not what we've seen out of this offense in years past. Going back to last season, this is brand new, and it goes back to why Kyler Murray's numbers perhaps are down. His completion percentage is down. Now, is DeAndre Hopkins the answer? He was on Thursday. Does he continue to be the answer? Or the insertion of Robbie Anderson, another deep play target. He's got the speed. He's got the height, something that A.J. Green has, but Green doesn't have the speed of a Robbie Anderson. And I don't want to sound like a complete downer. It doesn't seem like he really has that chemistry with Kyler Murray. And I I mean that with as much respect as possible to the type of player that A.J. Green is and has been. That was something that 
we saw a handful of times last year, AJ Green's first year as a Cardinal. It was something that Green brought up in the offseason of something he was intentionally working on with Murray was to strengthen that chemistry. But it's something that has been lacking this year. Is that all on AJ Green? Probably not. I mean, we just talked about what has seemed like a difference in accuracy this year from Kyler Murray. But I think that was probably a big reason of bringing in Robbie Anderson was you have that height in A.J. Green and you know he's capable of doing it. And whether that's wrong routes being run, not being on the same page, the timing being off with their quarterback, whatever it might be, more times than not it hasn't been working with Murray. And I would imagine that's why you bring in Anderson. So that chemistry, hopefully they can build that quickly and that can be a good connection for Kyler Murray, especially until Hollywood Brown comes back. The Anderson acquisition, I think, was a direct result of the Hollywood Brown injury, yes. But I'm sure the A.J. Green lack of production also played a factor in that as well because what we saw on Thursday against the Saints, A.J. Green didn't play. So Greg Dortch got a lot of more snaps and snaps as an outside wide receiver. So if you don't have a Hollywood Brown, you don't have a Robbie Anderson, now all of a sudden you're severely limited within that wide receiver room because A.J. Green hasn't got in gear, whether that's on him or the quarterback. So to me, it's A.J. Green's role moving forward. I don't know if there is a role moving forward, especially what Rondell was able to show you as an outside wide receiver. That route tree, which we talked about all offseason long, increasing his ability to go vertical. Greg Dortch has a connection with the quarterback makes every single play seemingly, makes the tough catches, especially across the middle, to where now all of a sudden the odd man out is A.J. Green. Now, is that short-term or is that long-term? I'm leaning more towards the latter. Long-term that he's... Yes, out of the mix, out of the rotation. Right. I mean, look, there's a lot of things that can still happen. Of, And this is not me having any sort of insider knowledge. Go ahead and speculate, Danny. No, but let's, let's acknowledge the trade deadline, November 1st. Is that an option? Or is this something where because you are without Hollywood Brown, do you keep A.J. Green in case somebody else gets hurt? Or maybe to use him in certain packages but not as often and he's playing behind Robbie Anderson. There's a couple of options there. I could see A.J. Green following what happened with Devon Kennard to where he loses time because others have stepped up. A Victor DiMukeji, My J. Sanders, Cameron Thomas, younger players, pass rushers, just passed up Devon Kennard to where now he is with the Baltimore Ravens. I could certainly see that with A.J. Green. The question is, when do you make that decision? Is it a trade? And I don't even know I don't even know the trade value of an A.J. Green based off what, one, his age his years of service, and it's just what he's done so far this season, which is not a lot, which is a surprise. And then maybe it's post-November 1st, and you're looking at, okay, well, maybe Hollywood Brown does come back a little bit sooner, or we like what we have with Robbie Anderson, Greg Dortch, and Rondell Moore to where, AJ, you know what? We're going to do you a solid, and we're going to cut you loose to allow you to find someplace else if there's another opportunity out there. Or, I mean, that's a possibility. Maybe he ends up going, maybe he realizes, you know what, it's been a it's been a good run, and maybe he ends up, if they release him, he goes back to Cincy and finishes his career there. I, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I would imagine that what we saw with the Saints of A.J. Green not even holding his helmet 
is probably what things are going to look like foreseeably in the future. I agree with you there. I think that that's pretty telling of if Robbie Anderson only played a small number of snaps and that's what happened, I'd imagine that's what it's going to look like in the foreseeable future at least. And you would think that with a week of practice, Anderson's snaps would increase. They don't want to decrease with what they're doing with Rondell Moore. What is, does that leave a Greg Dortch? And if Kyler Murray has that chemistry with Dortch, then yeah, once again, the odd man out is A.J. Green. And that's just the reality of where we're at here going into week eight. It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. A.J. Green has had, he's played well in his career. He's had some good plays out here in Arizona. It's just, it's kind of been a letdown of the expectations. And for whatever reason, again, not sure how much that is on the receiver himself or on the coaching staff or on your quarterback, but I mean, it's no surprise that it has not been clicking as consistent as consistently as it should. All comes down to DeAndre Hopkins, and for me, that's where it always has lied until someone shows me other otherwise, and I have yet to see it. But one last point on D Hop, and that is something that you and Isaiah Simmons talked about on sideline exchange, because I think this is something that everyone, all Cardinal fans, are want to to hear and see, but. What DeAndre Hopkins brings maybe off the field, on the sideline with respects to the leadership and not just on the offensive side of the ball, but the defensive side of the ball as well. DeAndre Hopkins was mic'd up for Thursday night's game, his return after completing his six-game suspension. And you can check out that Wired piece on the Arizona Cardinals YouTube channel. It's great, it's great every week to have a player mic'd up for a game, and Hop was great as expected. There was, after Isaiah Simmons' pick and he came off onto the bench, D-Hop was celebrating with him but held him accountable for some missed tackles he had. And post-game, when asked about Marco Wilson's pick, D-Hop said, yeah, it was great, it was impressive, but he also had that touchdown scored, and I'm sure he'd want to have that back. And he wasn't saying that in or sarcastic tone or as a joke he's being serious because Hopkins said that he pushes his teammates because he wants to be pushed so it's important for him to be a critic in a constructive manner so when I asked Isaiah Simmons about that on the sideline exchange interview this week he had a phenomenal very lengthy answer about how that leadership style can elevate the team as a whole and how they play and how they hold each other and themselves accountable and the respect that Hopkins carries from the players in this locker room and from the players, quite frankly, in every locker room around the league. And just the way that, you know, Simmons was saying, you know, I didn't want to hear that in that moment. But then I thought about it. And I went up to him and said, you know what? Like, I appreciate that. Like, I needed that. Thank you. You're right. And I think that's really important as, you know, you talk about being a leader. And different players have different leadership styles. And I'm not sure on any team there are many leaders who have the respect and can truly go up to any, not the other side of the ball, you know, defense talking to offense and offer that constructive criticism. But DeAndre Hopkins is one of those players where it is received because it is constructive and it is well-intended. It's coming from a good place. And ultimately the goal is the same for every one of those players. And that is winning on Sunday. And if everyone does their job and just needs a little bit of a help, a push, comfort, whatever it is. I like what DeAndre Hopkins brings to this team. You just wish there were some others that would step up their game as well and not just rely totally 
on number 10. Not disagreeing with you, but at some point, if this is what they're working with, at least until Hollywood comes back, you got to roll with it. I mean, D-Hop's the kind of player where even though you know defenses are going to game plan for him, you can still throw him the ball and he's still going to make catches. And even if he's not scoring touchdowns, which he did not Thursday night, he had 10 catches on 14 targets for more than 100 yards and drew a couple important penalties. That's still a game changer. And while I agree with you that it's kind of scary to have one receiver and if he's not on the field, the team is in trouble. For the next couple of weeks, yep. if that's what you have to rely on to get you by until maybe you start to get healthy and that's what kind of gets this offense back in rhythm and things start clicking, you got to roll with it. If the season, if we hit the reset on 2022 with that week seven game against New Orleans, then week two at Minnesota on Sunday, 10 a.m. kickoff, 5.30 a.m. pregame coverage begins here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. And the good news, Danny, is U.S. Bank Stadium, don't have to worry about the weather. That's true. When I'm when I'm running my 5K, what time are you starting your 5K? <laughs> That's right. The 5K watch and uh, run on Sunday. That uh, my five. You At know State what? Farm Stadium. What time let, are you starting? Let me know, and I'll start when you start. Okay. Okay. Sound good. Sure. Okay. Sure, Craig. And then we can reconvene in a week and let everyone know what our time was. Sure. All right. No one will remember this conversation in a week's time anyway, so we're good. We're talking about accountability. and exactly. Are we going to hold each other accountable? Stay tuned. Of course not. And on that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Danny Sarek, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.